We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to Building the Broncos with Nick Kendall and Carl Dummler, Broncos Country's leading draft and scouting analysts. Get on over to milehighhuddle.com to sound off on all things Broncos. Mile high hello, everybody in Broncos Country. Welcome into a surprise episode of the Dub LID Divers podcast. No, not, not for real. This is Building the Broncos. Welcome into Building the Broncos, guys. I am Lance Sanderson, and joining me, as always, is my good friend and colleague. He is Mile High Huddle Senior NFL Draft Analyst, the one and only Eric Trickle. And I know that there's probably going to be some confusion. This is not Friday night. This is a Tuesday night. Uh, Thanksgiving has yet to happen, even though everybody seems to be full in their hearts over the last, you know, what? 48 hours or so since the Broncos were able to vanquish the Minnesota Vikings on Sunday night football uh, by a score of 22 to 20. Uh, great game. The Broncos played very well defensively. Unfortunately, guys, you're going to have to be stuck with us here, the DVDD crew, because Nick has some stuff going on with his wife and Carl had an emergency situation. So Eric and I are going to fill in with uh, for you guys this evening. And Eric, uh, before we get into the show, dude, how are you doing? Uh, it's great to see you on a Tuesday. Yeah, I'm doing good. I mean, just finishing getting everything ready for, you know, Thanksgiving on Thursday. Um, I got asked by Carl less than an hour ago if I can jump on for him as stuff came up with his mm-hmm. thing. So uh, going to be working a little bit off the cuff tonight, um, but it should make for a good show and everything. And uh, glad for everybody to be joining us. It's nice to be doing a uh, show on Tuesday. Like, it's yeah. very weird. Um, it's definitely going to throw me off for the rest of the week. Um and I don't know how I'll be on Friday because there's only so many times I can, you know, look at your ugly face sometimes, Lance. <laughs> no, all kidding aside, I mean, it's been a great, great, well, as you said, 48 hours watching the Broncos win their fourth consecutive game and yet another streak from another team as they have done. Um, so it's just great to see. And we have Papa Bear coming in with the $5 nation. Thank you, Papa Bear. We appreciate that. It's good evening, Broncos country. Nick, Carl, Dylan, and Deacon Scott. Well, you know, Dylan and Deacon Scott are still here, but uh, you have Lance and I tonight. Let JL Skinner replace KJAC. Hashtag 11 and 6. Hashtag Buckham times 3. Hashtag MHH for life. And hashtag Denver Broncos for life. Now, um, I mean, elephant in the room here. And Papa Bear brings it up. Kareem Jackson. I know you said before we went live that you wanted to talk about it. Well, mm-hmm. let's talk about it. Yeah. The, the, there's another elephant in the room here because there are so many people coming in and into the, the comment stream. What in the hell do you have on your head, Eric Trickle? What are you doing this evening? 
It's a unicorn Santa hat. <laughs> My daughter asked me to wear it, so I'm wearing it. I mean, no, Tuesdays are normally, you know, family night, game nights, um, D&D night, depending on different work situations and everything. Um, we're doing game night, and we're kind of making it like a little holiday party kind of thing. Um, hence the Christmas ugly sweater that happens to be Star Wars, of course, as well. Um, so, yeah, it's just that. And just, I mean, as soon as we're done with the show, I got to go and deal with a bunch of other people in person. So. <laughs> well, and after dealing with your ass at the Mile High Huddle meet and greet, I can definitely tell you don't like to be around a whole lot of people. So good luck to you on that. But uh, no, so backstory, guys. Eric's favorite holiday of the year ever is Christmas. And he like, decorates his house like November 1st. Like Halloween happens and then the Christmas decorations go up. It's immaculate. Like this dude goes above and beyond. His family loves Christmas. So he's getting right into the Christmas spirits. Back to football, though. Kareem Jackson, guys, obviously this the big news uh, coming out of yesterday was uh, Kareem Jackson suspended again, another four game suspension for an unnecessary, well, not necessarily unnecessary roughness penalty because he was not flagged on the play, but for dropping his head and initiating contact with the crown of his helmet against a, what was deemed a defenseless player. That's semantics. If you want to no. get into that, we can go later. Uh, regardless, Leading with the helmet, Kareem Jackson was suspended again for his fifth infraction of the season. Uh, this one, I believe, is going to stick. And Eric, you and I, and uh, uh, Broncos country is so divided on this topic. Um, you and I seem to be in lockstep on this. I want your explanation, and I'll kind of piggyback off of that just quickly, on what happened on that particular play, why Kareem Jackson Jackson was suspended again, and why this is a problem for for Kareem Jackson moving forward to finish out the rest of his NFL career. Cause quite honestly, it may not last very much longer. Well, for clarification, cause you know, I was on Twitter yesterday talking about it. Um, there is one very specific thing that he was got in trouble for, and it was illegal use of the helmet that is lowering your helmet and using it to yes. lead into forcible contact into opponent um, defenseless receiver or that doesn't matter. Leaving his feet and launching into it doesn't matter. Helmet to helmet doesn't matter. It was illegal use of the helmet. It is a very specific penalty that they have that they have put in a few years ago to, you know, help lower, you know, traumatic brain injuries that happen. Um, that is what it is for. Launching was the penalty that he hit was what he got ejected for against the Washington commanders with the hit on Logan Thomas, um, illegal use of the helmet. The NFL was very clear about this. And when he watched the play, he lowers his head and he uses that to initiate forcible contact into mm -hmm. the, the opposing player um i've seen a lot of people go on about how it's the quarterback but he was running back in that situation again it doesn't matter um there are definitely issues with this first of all he 100 deserves to be suspended for it like this has been an ongoing trend for him and he knew what he did was wrong because when you go and watch him after that game he was easing up on his he was being very careful not to lower his helmet and lead with it he knew what he did was wrong and should have been penalized for it you can see that with the way he plays. And multiple people, even after the game, spoke about how that was illegal. He should have been penalized. It was a big issue. Minnesota should have kept that ball, but that's beside the point. Wasn't called, whatever. Deserves to be suspended. They tacked on without pay. And for me, that is a um, a pretty big deal to, to note. Suspended four games without pay. The first time he was just suspended four games, appeal that got reduced down to two. I think the NFL part of it is they want to send a clear message that like this is a repeat offender. 
And now, well, you're either going to be suspended four games without pay, or we're going to we're going to lower that based on your appeal. Well, maybe we'll lower it down to two or three games without pay, or still keep four games and just pay you instead. They have that little mm-hmm. bit extra wiggle room with their appeal process because there are certain standards that have to go on. He deserved to be suspended. You lower um, illegal use of the helmet. It's a textbook play. When you look up illegal use of the helmet and find it on the NFL rule book, which is there, I have it linked. I have it linked in a tweet from mine yesterday. It's like the third clip in the video is exactly what Kareem Jackson did. And on that note, it would not surprise me one bit if we see Alex Singleton find for the same mm-hmm. exact situation later on in the game. Yeah, absolutely. It's 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 just so frustrating because you've been fined three different, four different times, excuse me, and now suspended twice. And it doesn't seem like they're understanding exactly what's going on here. I mean, it, was the hit a big hit? Absolutely. Did it help jar the football away? Absolutely it did. Was it 100% no, it illegal? The ball was already out. The ball was yeah, already coming it, out. But, yeah, and Baron Browning had his, his hands, and it was, it was coming out for sure, but it, it helped to end the play. My point being here is you, you've already been told multiple times for multiple years and now multiple different times this season that you cannot lead with your head anymore. And Kareem Jackson continues to play with bad technique. And there's a comment here. Uh, we'll grab this after after Stu because Stu jumping in here off the top rope with a $20 super chat saying, hi, all. How about them Broncos? Yes. Yes, Stu. Yes, Zeus. Absolutely. How about them Broncos? It's absolutely incredible. Four-game winning streak, longest streak in the NFL right now. First time since 2016, the Broncos have won four games in a row. Absolutely, yes. How about them Broncos? Make Little Caesars, you know, the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day. Now, when you think about foods for, you know, those game days, you know, Super Bowl, playoff games, even a regular Sunday or Monday night football game, Thursday night football game, whatever it is, pizza is always one of the staples of your meal for the game. And you can order online during our Pizza Pizza pregame one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day on Sunday, and get ready for some football fun. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Make sure you guys go to uh, littlecaesars.com. Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza or pick the toppings you crave. Either way, you guys are going to win. They've got the $5 hot and readies. Those are always great. The pepperoni, the cheese. We just got a couple of those the other night. Uh, I really like the deep, deep dish pizza. And unfortunately, right now, they don't have the pretzel crust. But that is one of the best pizzas that you can find out there for a bargain price. And speaking of winning, guys, everyone scores with convenient delivery or our in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends, enjoy a few slices during the game, and enjoy Little Caesars Pizza. Thank you to Little Caesars for joining us. Um, We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? 
you need indeed. Back to Kareem Jackson here. The, like I said, it's just so frustrating because it's, Eric, you have some great statistics and I want you to pull this up because you did, you did a lot of very creative work here. It's like a, there's on average about 120 plays per game, uh, 256 games per year. Multiply that all the way out. It's like 33,000 plays per season in the NFL. Last season, 164 total plays were flagged for unnecessary roughness. And that doesn't just include illegal use of the helmet or helmet-to-helmet penalties, dude. This is a problem, a problem for a player that continues to go out and have these significant kind of plays. Elaborate a little bit just more on that as well. Well, Foley, when you look at the 2022 season and the average amount of plays played, the total actually comes out to roughly 41,616 plays ran during the 2022 season. During that time, as you said, 164 unnecessary roughness penalties were called. Unnecessary roughness penalties encompass more than just, you know, illegal use of the helmet, helmet to helmet, launching. It includes more than that. 164 plays. That is 0.39% of plays ended with had an unnecessary roughness flag called on it. Now there are there are examples of missed penalties as this was, you know, last night. Mm -hmm. But there is this mindset that what are these defenders supposed to do? Well, they're doing it for the majority of the game, for 99.61% of the game, even, you know, factoring in these other ones, we can say it's probably closer to just say 99% of plays. Defenders are not leading with their helmet. It isn't an, it isn't something that is plaguing the NFL. The majority of players know how to tackle without leading with it. And then the few times they get flagged for it, most of them adapt. Kareem Jackson hasn't. He is one of two players this season to be suspended for consistent use of the helmet in his tackles, the other one being Denzel Perryman. And there is an offensive player, too, who is on that brink in Josh Jacobs, the Raiders running back, because mm -hmm. it is illegal for them as well. This isn't something that is plaguing the NFL, but it is something they are still making an example of because of player safety. And it's not just about protecting the other player. It's about prote protecting yourself as well. And that yes. is something that I wish Kareem Jackson would realize is that this is as much about protecting him and his brain and his future as it is protecting the other player from other injuries. And actually, illegal use of the helmet is more so for the offender it was implemented more to protect the offender than it was to protect the player they are hitting because it is more likely to lead to a traumatic brain injury to the uh, to the person who is doing it. This mm -hmm. is about protecting Kareem Jackson from himself, and he just yeah. isn't able to see that. And Greg yeah. Smith coming in saying, KJ may already have a traumatic, traumatic brain injury. I'm just saying it's entirely possible, not something that we I want to speculate on really, um, but it's something that's plagued the NFL and has been an issue for years. And it was great to see. And I see a lot of this too talking about, Oh, in the eighties and the nineties, this wasn't allowed. Well, the medical data has come out. How many players who suffer from traumatic brain injuries that are end up going to take their own lives or the life of somebody else. How many more of that do we need to happen? Like before we realize this is about protecting players and their long-term futures, but outside of playing football, Football yep. is a sport. It doesn't, and they yep. take a lot of risk playing the game. The game is inherently dangerous. There is no argument against that, but you can still do things to mitigate the risk. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. We got Michael Ronquillo jumping in here. Good evening, Lance and Eric on building the Broncos. Go Broncos with a bunch of hearts and a mile high salute to one of the, the biggest guys up on the mile high huddle, Mount Rushmore, in terms of support. Gary Palmer, GLP, jumping in the house. What's up, GLP? Good to see you, dude. Been a while since we've seen you on a Friday, but you're always here on a Tuesday, it looks like. Uh, saying, love the headgear, Eric. We get to see y'all twice this week. Go Broncos. Thank you, GLP. And as always, go Broncos. Now, the meat and potatoes. Of, wait, I, excuse me. We got another. We got another one jumping in here. Another big time supporter over on Facebook. Phil McLaughlin jumping in. Good to see you, Phil. Good evening, Nick and Carl. Oop. Wait. No, it's Lance and Eric. Pretty cool. We got our Texans. The Texans game flexed. Hashtag Buckham. Hashtag uh, Go Broncos. Hashtag MHH Flex. You know what, Eric? Let's address this uh, Texans game comment really quickly because I know that you've done some digging around trying to find out exactly what's going on with that. Um, I don't know if maybe you're allowed to say something, but maybe give a little bit of speculation based on your information here. Um, obviously, the uh, the Broncos go into Houston. I believe it's not this weekend, but next weekend to play the Texans. Um, and that game was originally scheduled for 2.05 Mountain Time, so 4.05 Eastern. It has now been flexed down into the early window of games. Kickoff at 1 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Mountain Time. Eric, this is a kind of significant move, in my opinion, because it kind of opens up the Broncos to be able to get another primetime game down the stretch. What do you think? Uh, no. So no? What, okay. the, what the rules there are with flexing, um, you have to be scheduled either for an afternoon game or be to be determined for your time slot in order to be flexed into Monday night football or Sunday night football or Thursday night football. Um, they were flexed from an afternoon game to an early game. Um, one of the NFL execs, execs mike north i think it was came out and he had some comments on it and basically it's just a thing of they're recognizing that a lot of people want to start watching the houston texans and they're trying to do a lot more to get more eyes on them and with the morning time slot more people in the area are it's what's the right way it's less competitive for the morning time slot that week um mm. due to i believe philly and san francisco being in the afternoon to try to get more eyes mm. on the houston texans game um, but they are still looking at flexing Houston Texans games down the road into it. One of the, the most likely option being their week 18 game, which is a to be determined time slot. So it's gotcha. not really Broncos related, but it's more so about the, it's all about the Texans. Oh, okay. So I, I, I misunderstood the stuff that you were talking about in, in, um, in the chat. So I do apologize for that, everybody for the, for the miscommunication, but regardless, I mean, this is like, like Eric says, it's going to get more eyes on that, that Broncos game in the early window, um, especially nationally because typically when you watch like uh, the NFL Red Zone channel, everyone really likes to watch in the morning. They kind of tune out in the afternoon, uh, spe specifically on the East Coast. So uh, with C.J. Stroud being as good as he has been as a rookie, he's one of the hottest stories in the NFL right now, uh, even despite the three interception game that he had last week. Uh, the, the Texans are a, they're a six and four football team and they are turning it around quickly. D'Amico Ryans is doing a great job coaching that team. It's going to be a fun matchup against this Denver Broncos team here next weekend. Um, I'm looking forward to that game almost as much as I'm looking forward to this Cleveland Browns game uh, this upcoming weekend, which we will talk more about later on Friday. Now, to the meat and potatoes of our conversation this evening, stock up and stock down the, uh, the weekly stock report for the Denver Broncos. Um, Eric has always done his player grades 
for the for the game. They usually come out Monday or Tuesday. It's either Monday night or Tuesday morning. And his grades are already up. If you guys have not got a chance to check those out after the show, make sure you guys head on over to milehighhuddle.com and give that a read because Eric does so much tremendous work on breaking down the tape, breaking down this team. And they're, they're always just so fun to, to go out and, and take a look at. And Eric, I'm going to jump in here a little bit. I want to do stock up and stock down. I've got three offensive players, three defensive players. We'll talk a little bit about Vance Joseph towards the end of the show as well. We got to give a shout out to our good friends over at Manscaped. I apologize for that, guys. Uh, ready to spice up your Thanksgiving, guys, as we dive headfirst in the mountains, mashed potatoes, and cranberry sauce. Let's talk about the unsung hero of the holiday season. That is Manscaped and their Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. That's right, guys. It's time to go. Uh, Cold turkey on your razor, if you will. Take care of your own guys and uh, take care of yourself. Make yourself look the best that you possibly can by getting a, a professional grooming kit from Manscaped and the Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. Guys, visit manscaped.com. Use the promo code HUDDLE at checkout for 20% off and free shipping. Enjoy Thanksgiving in style. Yeah, and they have a lot of great products. I mean, you have the Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. Um, I don't have it personally, but you know. I have an older model and it's absolutely great. It has a wonderful light on it. It's waterproof, which means you can use it multiple ways. Um, you know, out of the shower, in the shower, whatever, depending on your preference. Um, but it's it's absolutely wonderful. They also have their uh their bathroom, the shed is what they call it. Um, the 2.0 toiletry bag. I have the first version of it. I absolutely love it. Whenever I have to travel, I use that. And their boxers 2.0. I can only imagine how comfortable these things are. I have the boxers 1.0 and they are, it's honestly the best pair of underwear that I have. They're so soft. They're so comfortable. and so breathable. Absolutely love them. And I can't wait to own a pair of the boxers 2.0. Yeah, absolutely, man. I love my uh, my original Manscaped boxers. Those things are awesome. But in the shed, guys, you also get like a fingernail clipper kit. You get a, an ear and nose hair trimmer. There's just a bunch of stuff. You get some cologne, uh, a little bit, a bit of a body spray, um, some body wash as well. Like, there's so much great stuff at Manscaped. Get 20% off again, guys. 20% off and free shipping with the promo code Huddle at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off free shipping at Manscaped.com. Use the promo code Huddle. Be thankful this holiday season and. Do your best to make yourself be best prepared and look your greatest this holiday season. Now, it's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. 
speaking of holiday season, meat and potatoes, here we go, right back to it. Uh, this is a this team right now has been so incredibly fun to watch because again, four game winning streak. Your offense is doing enough to win games at the end of it. It's not quite the Tebow-esque era of Denver Broncos football back in 2011, but they're playing well defensively. They're playing well offensively. Let's start on the offensive side of the football. Eric's per, uh, player grades are up again at milehighhuddle.com, and uh, they're they're always a great read to get through as we got Michael Davis jumping in here with the $5 super chat. Aloha, gents. Go Broncos. It's hard to believe we're 11 weeks in without any substantial injuries. Knock, knock, knock. Yes, you start knocking on all of the wood. Please knock on all of the wood, Michael. We appreciate your support, though, buddy. Thank you for that. Um, Eric, let's start with the quarterback, Russell Wilson. You and I have been very critical of him. Um, we've been trying to point out as much as we possibly can in terms of how he is playing well, but not playing great. And this last game against the Minnesota Vikings was another example of that. There were times where he seemingly missed reads, seemingly was uncomfortable taking shots down, down the field. But at the end of the day, he somehow managed to figure it out, get the game-winning drive for the touchdown. Colton Sutton, obviously a huge catch there. Russell Wilson, stock up or stock down? Well, I mean, we can only base it off of last year, and so stock up. Like, we can't go off of what he did in Seattle because, first of all, that was more than a season ago, and it wasn't during his time in Denver and, you know, all the changes that have happened. There's no question he's playing better than he did last year. Stock up. Does that mean that I would comfortably keep him on his current price tag? Probably not. But there's things that you can do. There's options available with how to work with his contract that can make it more affordable because I have a hard time watching his play, looking at all the analytics, all the data that there is, and I have a hard time paying him as much as the Broncos are set to pay him. But he's playing fine. He's being he's being told to manage the game, and he's doing that. He's not turning the ball over, and he's still making some big throws that are needed. Still need more consistency, yep. and the Broncos, the offensive issues aren't just on him. There are issues from play calling to wide receivers to offensive. There's issues with everybody for the lack of consistency with it. Um, he gets hit the hardest because he is the quarterback. He is the one who touches the ball, one or two players who touches the ball every single play. Um. And then when you go and you watch and look at hit the explosive play rate from the Broncos offense and how it's down over, especially compared to his time in uh, Seattle, it's concerning. And then when you go back and you look and watch the games over and you can see these opportunities for explosive passing plays from Russell Wilson um, by hitting, you know, what was it? I think it was Cortland Sutton in, against Las Vegas Raiders who was wide open or Marvin Mims crossing over the middle against the Minnesota Vikings, and he dumps it off to for a check down. Um, mm -hmm. One thing, I think it was Ted Wynn of The Athletic who really highlighted this, is mm -hmm. basically Sean Payton has made Russell Wilson into a robot of you either hit your first read or you check it down. And that's what he's doing, and it's working. Mm -hmm. My concern, my biggest concern is what's going to happen when defenses really adjust to take away that check down and try to force something. Yeah. I'm glad that you went to the check down area because Nick Kendall actually brought up a, a bunch of stuff earlier today in our in our group chat um, talking about the explosive play rate and stuff like that. And I, I had a, a, a curious question more than anything. And I mean, we can we can argue the semantics. I've seen people use 15 plus yard plays in the passing game as explosive plays. I firmly believe that the standard is 20. Like I, I, I've seen both yes, used. 
and, and I know, I, I know that, but I, I'm just saying, I've seen both of those used. I've seen uh, 10 plus yards runs and 15 plus yard runs used as, as a standard. I typically say 10 yard runs are the standard for, for running plays. Regardless, it doesn't necessarily matter. My thing here is you went to the screen game and you went to the check down game. And this is something that I don't think can quantitatively be measured in terms of the success of Russell Wilson, because well, I understand and I agree with you. He is typically a one read and check it down quarterback. There are other times within the within the the, the game, especially later in the game, and specifically to the next guy I want to talk to uh, in Samaj P. Ryan, where he's finding a way to escape vertically, getting through the pocket, getting through some trash, and then flipping it forward to uh, to Samaj P. Ryan or Jamonte Williams, um, utilizing just a little bit of mobility, not necessarily extending plays like in a massive way, but just finding just those little open creases and finding that right playmaker to go and add, whether it's an explosive play or not, a big key first down, especially late in games. Samaj P. Ryan being the guy. Let's kind of talk a little bit about both and then get your stock up and stock down on Javante, or excuse me, Samaj P. Ryan. I mean, for Samaj P. Ryan, obviously, I mean, for me, he was a guy who I thought he came in, and he was more effective in week one than Javante Williams mm-hmm. was. Yes, he was. Um, but then he kind of faltered a lot. But the way that they're utilizing him now, it works. They're keeping him fresh. They're using him at, you know, final four, you know, four-minute drives, four-minute drills, um, two-minute drills. They're using him, and he's effective. And it's fine to keep using him that way because you still have Javante Williams and Jaleel McLaughlin to use outside of that. Um it's one of those situations where if you have a guy who is really excelling at in this one specific situation, then keep using it. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're using him as a runner or a receiver. He's still finding ways to be effective and just make plays for the offense when it, it matters, when it matters most. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, like I said, I don't think that that can necessarily be like quantitatively. There's There's no statistical data that you can put on that particular part of his performance because it going into even more Samaj P. Ryan, he's the best pass protecting back that they have right now. So in those critical game situations where you do want to drop Russell Wilson back and maybe try to take a shot, you have to have a guy that can stand back there and and hold up in pass protection as a running back. And P. Ryan's doing such a great job. And I think that this is another part of the equation here in terms of him just being able to sit back and be super patient in terms of sitting back in pass protection and then leaking out and getting getting uh, Russell Wilson a presentable target, man. Like this dude has been playing very good football, uh, specifically over the last couple of weeks and specifically uh, down the stretch in games. Um, I want to do one more offensive player here. We got another read we got to get to, but uh, one more offensive player that is arguably the most controversial and polarizing player on this Broncos offense. Uh, outside of Russell Wilson, because that's that's easily the the number one guy. But Jerry Judy, where is Jerry Judy right now, and what is he bringing to this team offensively that could potentially have him be kept around this next season? Because quite honestly, uh, for a guy that's drafted 15th overall, in with the way that they want to to utilize him. He's not having the production. Dropped a big key touchdown pass against the Minnesota Vikings on Sunday night. And we we got to get more out of a player like that. 
Yeah, it, it could definitely take a while. What may not take a while, guys, make sure you get uh, some great food in your bellies this holiday season. You guys might be looking for nutrition, nutritious, convenient meals to keep you energized on jam-packed days. Enter Factor. It's a blessing sent from the football gods to Broncos country. Factor is America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service, and it can help you fuel up fast for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian-approved, ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. With Factor, you'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy, healthy lifestyle while tackling all of your holiday to-do lists. Yeah, skip the stress of meal prepping over the holidays with Factor. You can choose from more than 35 weekly flavor-packed, fresh, never-frozen meals that support a healthy lifestyle and meet your meal preferences, all delivered right to your door and ready to eat within two minutes. This November, get Factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered to your door. Again, ready in just two minutes. No prep, no mess. And this isn't a service for holiday season only. Nope, Factor is a way of life. 365 days a year. Yeah, 365 days a year. It's a hell of a task to try to figure out what to make for dinner. I know it's one of the hardest things that we have to do here in my household. So guys, head to factormeals.com slash huddle50 and use our code huddle50 to get 50% off. That's again, huddle50 pro, uh, promo code at checkout at factormeals.com slash huddle50 to get that 50% off. F-A-C-T-O-R-M-E-A-L-S.com slash huddle 50 to get 50% off at factor. Thank you factor for joining us. This episode is supported by FX's clipped the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owners, racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tapes impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization, striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Appreciate you this holiday season. Now, Jerry Judy, man, I, I got to get your take on this because I'm, I'm so, so frustrated with his inability to find footing within this offense and be a truly game-changing player that we all thought that he could have been coming out of Alabama back in 2020. Yeah, Judy's stock is down. For me, it is very clear which receiver needs to be moved on from, and that is Jerry Judy. Um, I think that it was a mistake of the Broncos to not move him from the trade before the trade deadline, and I get why. Doesn't make it any less of a mistake, in my opinion. Um, the cost just doesn't match the production at this point with him, and that's a big thing with me with a lot of players. If you're going to be costing a lot, you better be worth the production. Or you better be worth it with the, your production. And he's not. Um, drops and consistency have always been an issue. He is a dynamic receiver who works well between the 20s. But once you get into the red zone, you're pretty much better with him off the field. And you're better with him off the field on running plays as well because he doesn't do much as a blocker. Now, the last couple of games haven't been terrible from him. And he's been showing more effort as a blocker a little bit. 
but he's still not an effective blocker. He's still not the guy that you want out there. Not when you have guys like little Jordan Humphrey, who does quite well out there, and you have Brandon Johnson mm-hmm. getting ready to come back in a couple weeks, who does quite well out there yep. as a blocker. Um, and then you have Cortland Sutton. He has more than shown his value on his contract. I mean, they are finally utilizing him in a way that best fits his skill set, and mm-hmm. he is making plays. For the last three weeks, he has been in like Sports Center top ten plays mm-hmm. for for Sunday for the games. Like it's just been such an he's been so effective all around. And obviously the fumbles do hurt. Um, and the fumbles are really outside the norm for him, too. So you gotta look at Jerry Judy. His and it's not that he's playing terribly. He's not. He's producing, he's put up quite a few yards on the season. I mean, he's consistently producing, you know, pretty well most of the games but he's going to cost like what 13 million against the cap next year Mm -hmm. and honestly a change of scenery just may be best for both sides um it's just been past time to move on from him in my opinion no I, i i don't disagree with you on that one and quite honestly i don't think that jerry judy ever wanted to be a denver bronco i and i i know that that's that's hard to say in terms of being like i'm not there I'm not in the room, and I'm I'm sure that if uh, if I were ever say that to his face, he'd probably try to fight me. But I I really don't think. Look at his look at his antics on the field. Look at his his tryhard. There are times where he, his effort is definitely lacking. Um, it, it has nothing to do with a lack of talent with the guy. It's a lack of understanding how to just be a football player. And quite honestly, I, I think that that's that's the biggest problem with with Jerry Judy. I think a a transition uh, to a Honestly, I think winning would, would help a lot more. And you're seeing a turnaround in his attitude. I will say that his social media posts have, have gone away. Um, the the interviews that he does give in the in the postgame locker room are always bright. They're very energetic. He does seem to be enjoying winning more. And that's that's easy to do. It's easy to see. I'm just I'm just curious to see what happens moving forward and 13 million dollars for a player that you were expected to be a number one wide receiver in the nfl is not 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 something i would want to look into moving forward with jerry judy and the the production that he has had uh at least through the first four seasons of his career as a denver bronco and that's that's un, that's unfortunate um there was something you had said but i can't remember exactly what it is now i lost my train of thought because i saw something in the chat and it, it bothered me but regardless um, let's flip over to the defensive side of the football here because um, th- this pass rush has been doing a really good job. I think it's it's kind of understated how while they may not be getting the sack numbers right now, they are getting pressures at a very, very high rate, specifically one player in particular who I thought had an absolutely incredible game against the Buffalo Bills um, early. It was definitely early in the game before he kind of faded away. But Jonathan Cooper, man, this dude has continued to grow to be one of the better defenders on this Broncos defense. And Eric, I, I see you kind of smirking here just a little bit. I didn't in full clarity, guys, uh, the the Minnesota game. I need to go back and watch that game again. Um, I've had some streaming issues and couldn't actually watch the game live. I got to watch a lot of it, but not all of it. Jonathan Cooper, though, this dude has been playing with his like a man with his hair on fire. He's been out there constantly getting after the quarterback. He may not be getting home right now, but he is always in the backfield, always around the quarterback, always making it difficult for the quarterback to step up into the pocket and make plays. What do you think of Jonathan Cooper right now? Well, but before I get Jonathan Cooper, I want to touch one more thing on Judy. And it's actually what somebody has brought up in the chat. The pump fake play. (laughs) Okay. Okay. 
It's absolutely hilarious. Don't get me wrong. It was hilarious. The Minnesota guy bought, bit it, bit on it hard. But the line of scrimmage was the 21-yard line, and he started his pump fake behind the 21-yard line. So there was a reasonable cause for the defender to be like, oh, like pull up and go for it because it's in the middle of the pump fake that he crosses the line. Absolutely mm-hmm. hilarious. And I would like to see Sean Payton, you know, adapt that into the playbook because when you watch the play back, Cortland Sutton, had he been turned and actually waiting for it, he could have had a wide open touchdown there. Like there was nobody on Sutton because the ball had been thrown. Nobody's expecting that from this team. Like, so that's a good sign of like, maybe try to throw it in there a little bit. As for Jonathan Cooper, um, he's been doing extremely well as a pass rusher. He was doing great as a run defender up until about the Kansas City Chiefs win. Since then, Mm -hmm. he's been kind of a liability against the run. Um, He's not staying disciplined on the edge. He's crashing in hard, leaving the outside lanes open. And it's not just him. Um, Baron Browning has struggled a little bit against the run. And Nick Benito has been doing terribly against the run. Awful. Um, Awful. The defensive line's not hasn't been doing great against the run either. Um, so it's definitely um a situation of like he's excelling in one area but struggling in another. And run mm-hmm. defense has been an issue for this defense still the all season long. Even if yes. <laughs> sorry, even if you take away week three, they are still in the bottom four in run defense. I think they are 29th out of 32. Um, if you take out week three, they are a terrible run defense. Um, and you got to be having your edges play a little bit better against it, especially with some of the teams that are coming up, like the Browns, who have one of the best running games mm-hmm. in the NFL. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the Houston Texans, let's not take away from what they're able to do in the running game. They're not really running the ball all over everybody, but they are efficient. That running game up front, that offensive line is playing very good football up front for the uh, for the Houston Texans. Speaking of the Denver Broncos running defense, I, I pulled these numbers specifically because as, as much as I want to give Vance Joseph a lot of credit for what he's done with this defense, it's it's been tremendous. The turnaround for this team has been 100% uh incredible to watch. I mean, especially coming off of the the debacle of the Miami Dolphins game, obviously 70 points, given up over 700 yards, uh, 350 rushing yards allowed. Like, that's just insane. But the rushing yards is the the key thing I want to stick on here because it's been a problem significantly for this Broncos team all season long. And there's been multiple different issues here, um, whether it's been linebacker assignment fits, losing guys to injury, whether it's Justin Simmons, Josie Jewell. And granted, they were playing there for a little while with this Broncos defense early and, and in the game, I believe, against the Miami Dolphins. Regardless, this team over the last four games, we've got 137 yards to the Green Bay Packers. We've got 192 yards against the Buffalo Bills, a team that wasn't running the ball very well. And then the Minnesota Vikings had 175 yards, including 95 in the second half alone against the um, uh, against the Broncos on Monday night or Sunday night football. Excuse me. Eric, what is specifically wrong with this run defense and how do the Broncos short up? Because quite honestly, it seemed a lot better when PJ Locke was in there, even though I know that um, So the, the, the game against, it was the second game against Kansas city. I'll pull that stat up here as well. Uh, the Broncos only allowed 62 rushing yards. And in the first game against Kansas city, I believe that was the, uh, um, no, so that the the second game against Kansas City was uh, Kareem Jackson was replaced. Uh, PJ Locke was inserted into the starting lineup. Sixty-two running yards for the Kansas City Chiefs. What is 
is this, like I said, what is wrong with this Broncos running defense and how can they shore this up down the stretch? Because if you want to play winning football in December, you have to be able to defend against the run. Missed tackles are a big issue. Um, yes. A yes. bad defensive line. I mean, um, Mike Purcell has been a problematic run defender. Um, Nick and I mean, Nick made the joke about on the, you know, uh, what was it like pancaked rate that Mike Purcell probably leads all defensive linemen in pancake rate of how often he finds himself on the ground. He's mm-hmm. been really bad. Jonathan Harris hasn't been good and he hasn't grown at all as a player. He's actually been ta- getting worse as the season goes on. DJ Jones and Zach Allen, they've been doing well, but they're just getting bullied by double teams consistently because there's no one else that's doing well. There used to be a time where Mike Purcell demanded double teams against the run and he's not anymore. He's being controlled Mm -hmm. by single blocks time and time again. Um, And then you're also struggling. Your linebackers are struggling tackling. Alex Singleton leads the NFL. He leads all linebackers with at least 600 snaps played, which there's 28 of them in missed tackle rate. Like it's absolutely like he's has all these tackles, which is great, but he's missing tackles 17.1% of his attempts. It's horrible. that that is a high rate, and he's not making up for it with you know consistent excellent plays like you are with some of these other guys who have a high tackle rate. Um, there are some times where he makes a big play against the the run, but it's not consistent enough. There are a lot of issues with this run defense, and part of it is Vance Joseph. For as good as his defenses have been, it's always been mostly pass coverage. And he has always struggled mm-hmm. to coach up run defense. He's had one great year with a run defense, like one. Um, and I know mm-hmm. that there's a lot of people who question how good he actually is as a defensive coordinator, but we're seeing him. He's adapted his scheme. He's changing his scheme on the fly, essentially, after the first few weeks to more of what he does. And we're seeing it pay off, um, especially mostly in coverage, though. Just again, it's just ignoring the run defense as a lot of teams around the NFL now are, we will rather let you beat us on the ground than beat us in the air. And that just seems yep. to be what Vance Joseph's mentality is. We have Troy Boer coming in with a $9.99 donation. Thank you, Troy. We appreciate that. Hey guys, late to the pod. How much will the final drive's use of Pirine slow down the Browns pass rush or make them use a coverage person to spy Pirine? Have a great show. I want to break down this Browns team so bad. I need to get another chance to take a look at it. But this this Browns defense is is wild. They flow to the football so well. They find the, the especially in in the flats and stuff. They do such a great job crashing to the football. And the defensive line is incredible. Um, but P Ryan does something that I think that is so uh, uh, incredibly underrated. And I and I talked about it just a little bit ago, Troy. So thank you for joining us late. But I'll, I'll elaborate on it again. It's his patience. Watching him come out of the backfield in terms of what, what they typically like to do with, with Samaj P. Ryan is late in the game, you need to have the shot plays and stuff like that based on what the what this team has done. They need to have the big plays. They need to have the scoring drives. They'll bring in Samaj P. Ryan because he's such a great pass-protecting running back. He's the best pass-protector they have at the running back position on this team, without question. So what they're what they're doing with him is they're making him set up in, in pass protection and then they're leaking him out super late. And he is doing such a great job of being patient before he has to get out into a pass route. And then he just opens up a presentable target, catches the football cleanly and gets north and south. He's not scared to go lower his head. And I, it's a conversation from earlier tonight, too. 
He's not scared to lower his head and get dirty. He's not scared to go initiate contact and run through guys. He's a big back, 232 pounds. Like this guy is a phenomenal runner with the football in his hands in space. And I think that that's the big thing is understanding and utilizing him, not quite in the screen game because it's not really how they're doing it. They're using him as like a check down or a flip out. That's what they're doing with him specifically is they're utilizing his patience and his vision as a running back, as a veteran player. And that's the big thing. And I think that that's going to help significantly against this pass rush. So long as they can figure out a way to stop Miles Garrett from getting home in less than two seconds, because that dude's a freak. Well, I mean, obviously we'll talk about it more as we do every Friday previewing the game. This Browns defense, like they I'm are scared. so good. I'm scared. Uh, it's not just their pass rush either. They do a good job of, against the run. They do a good job of limiting running backs out of the backfield, which is going to hurt P Ryan. They, they make sure that their guys are covered and why are they able to do that? Because they can get home without bringing extra rushers. They do such mm -hmm. a great job of getting home with four. They don't blitz very often. The number of they blitz 39% of the time, which is still a little bit higher than that and a little bit higher than normal, but they're rushing for almost 60% of the time. Like they just get home with four and it's easy to do that when you have someone like Miles Garrett, who is one of the, one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. And if somebody wanted to say he's the best pass rusher in the NFL, I wouldn't argue with you. Like it's a race between two people for him or with him. Uh, they such a good defense. So well coached, rather disciplined, um, good tackling, like good tackling technique, consistent technique. Um, this is going to be a defensive bout um, from both mm -hmm. sides, and they got to figure out a way to get people in position on offense against his defense to find those big plays. This is not a game that is set up for P. Ryan to really have you know those big moments like he has. This if mm -hmm. there is going to be a team that is going to show the blueprint on how to slow down this. Broncos offense without having them slow themselves down it is the Browns because of just what yep. they do matches up so well with what the Broncos do effectively mm -hmm. I, I think this might be a, a game where we need to see some shot plays take place and really trust Cortland Sutton really trust Marvin Mims to go up and go make contested catches because you're, you're going to need to get rid of the football quick and just throw I'm not saying throw it up and, and pray but at the same time throw it up and let those guys go make plays because oh. you're you're gonna need it like you need you need players to step up and make plays and that's gonna be the best way to do it to get this Browns pass rush as effective as this Browns <laughs> um, defense are they, as effective as this Browns defense is they do have a little bit of an opening there they have a pretty high success rate allowed for explosive plays Mm -hmm. they're not they're allowing explosive plays to happen and then they just kind of crunch down afterwards like yeah. it's similar to it's similar to the to the broncos they have a high epa defensive epa but their success rate is or high rated epa but their success rate is still low and the browns aren't as wide of a margin as theirs they're number one in epa play against the pass number 10 against the run they're they're 14th in success rate in allowing explosive plays mm -hmm. so Still mm -hmm. really good, still top half the NFL, but they have been they have been had that opening there for them. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's get back to the defensive side of the football quickly here because you kind of mentioned his name a little bit ago um, when talking about the defensive line. DJ Jones, I, I think that he's been playing a, a high brand of football, um, had the big chase down tackle against the, the Buffalo Bills and uh, on, I believe it was just a little swing out pass to a running back. Um, he's getting after the quarterback. He's playing fairly well against the run. Stock up, stock, stock down on DJ Jones. Uh, stock down. Um, okay. And it's pretty easy for me. Outside of two games, he's been really bad this year. Um, okay. He's been a big weak, uh, weak link against the run, even before he started getting double teamed recently, as often mm -hmm. as he has been. He has really struggled this year. It was great to see finally some of those big plays pop up against the, the Bills, but it's just been poor play, mostly consistently all season. I mean, he has had his two of his best games this year have been week 11 and week 10, and the rest have been really bad. Yeah. Stock down, especially when you factor yeah. in his cost. Again, cost for his production, it's not worth keeping him. Yeah, but that's a fair point. I don't think that he's going to be around after this season anyways, because I don't think that he has any guaranteed money. There's a dead cap hit for the signing bonus, but it's not going to be because of any guaranteed money. And I think that that's only around like three and a half million dollars. If that it's off the top of my head, guys, so don't fact check me and, and destroy me in the comment section. But uh, yeah, I, I think that you're right at the cost. Either you extend him, lower that cap hit as much as you possibly can, or you just walk away from him at the end of this season. Um Let's go to the secondary here. And we got to talk about Scott's favorite Denver Bronco, Fabian Moreau, dude. Like this dude has been playing really good football ever since he was inserted in, into the offensive line. I believe it was back week five after um, Damari Mathis fell off a cliff. Like it's, it, it's been, it's been rough. Um, but Fabian Moreau has been playing solid football. It's dropped off a little bit of late. Um, I believe he's allowed 11 receptions on 19 targets, a little over 180 yards, 190 yards, something like that. Uh, just off the top of my head, I saw a statistic about it earlier. But this Broncos defense is doing a great job in terms of getting takeaways, uh, take uh, take forcing the the, uh, the opposing offense to turn the football over. And it seems like the, there's been a little bit leaky, a little bit less leaky uh, pass coverage out there ever since Fabian Moreau has been inserted into the alignment, man. What do you think of Fabian Moreau over the last at least handful of weeks? Because it's not been very long for him to be out there on the field. Yeah, I mean, this was only the fourth game he's been out there on the field. He was inserted in the starting lineup in the game that of the week meet and greet against the Green Bay Packers. Okay. Um, and he played a really good game that week. Mm -hmm. Since then, it hasn't been great. Um, he's been fine in coverage, obviously a lot better than what we were getting out of Damari Mathis. But when compared to what you really want from your corners, hasn't been great. I mean, he had that one big interception, um, which was just a terrible throw and read by Josh Allen. But the biggest thing is this dude's run defense. Like the opposing offenses are targeting the left side of this Broncos defense and they are consistently gashing them. Um, I could pull up the EPA specifically and success rate specifically against that left side where Fabian Moreau plays. Um, but it has been terrible. It's not all on him. We talked about the edge rushers as well. But, man, there was – I can't remember if it – might have been the Bills, one of the big runs that the, they had. Yeah. But he the had Bills a shot on the running back, and he pulls up and turns to run with him. Like, And it wasn't a situation of, like, it would have been a bad angle. He probably would have missed a tackle. Like, it wasn't one of those situations. Like, he had him square up 
and he decides to pull off and let the guy run by him as he turns to run with him and gave ended up going after him from a different angle and getting an extra four or five yards but like you gotta you gotta go and it's one of those situations where you, you gotta be smart with it you can't just turn and run you can't be that passive um you gotta for lack of a better term here you gotta kind of stick your shoulder in it um and just use the modern tackling technique that you have to avoid penalties and drive through the guy and take, bring him down or at least meet him and slow him down and hope that you're instead of a four or five extra yards that you're going to get with what happened with what he did. Maybe it's an extra yard or two as defender, as teammates come and rally like his run defense has been frustrating as I am a guy who absolutely loves run defense from defensive backs. Like yeah, it, it is. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things. If you are a defensive back, you have to be able to run, defend the run. Otherwise, I'm going to be all the way out on you. Um, big reason why with my rankings for pre-draft, why a lot of guys who are super high in, you know, media public media boards, I'm a little bit lower on is because they don't bring it as a run defender that they should be. Right. I'm with you on that one, and that was a big reason why I liked uh, Riley Moss coming out of Iowa because that dude is a, a freak against the run. He is such a great tackler. He does a great job with his technique and stuff like that. I like Fabian Moreau a lot more in coverage, and I don't disagree with you. That Buffalo Bills game was rough as a run tackler. It was rough against the Minnesota Vikings as well. As Scott points out in the uh, in the chat here, he says that his favorite play that uh, Moreau had was where he reached down and tried to just, like take the shoe off of TJ Hawkinson, which was absolutely hilarious. I did get to see the, the replay of that. Um, before we wind out uh, the show here, um, we talked a little bit about Vance Joseph. I want to ask one quick question here um, on him. How sustainable is this defense moving forward? Because if you're if you're talking about winning formulas in the NFL, you've got to figure out a way to run the football offensively, stop the run defensively, force turnovers, and take care of the football. That's the, the like the basis of quality NFL football, especially down the stretch and in the playoffs. Teams that run the ball well, force turnovers, and uh, keep the football safe typically have a higher success rate in uh, in the playoffs and in December. This team, obviously, over the last, I, think, I believe it's since week seven, is number one in the NFL in scoring defense. They've only allowed 16.7 points per game. Um, they also lead the league in turnovers over that span. Granted, the ball is bouncing their way. They're 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 forcing a lot of plays. They're they're getting their hands on a lot of footballs, and they're they're taking advantage. They're being very opportunistic. How sustainable is this model moving forward for this team? Because four wins in a row, it looks great. They've got a tough matchup against the Browns this week. They've got a couple of winnable football games moving forward with the the Houston Texans. They got the Detroit Lions. I think it's a winnable football game as well. But how sustainable is this model specifically moving forward? It's not. You 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 can't sustain yourself with an offense that is struggling to get points off turnovers, is struggling on third down, is struggling to be consistent, especially outside of two minute drills. You you can win that way if you are forcing, you know, three, four, five turnovers as they have for the last few weeks. But forcing turnovers at that rate isn't a, isn't sustainable. Mm-hmm. They need the offense to kind of meet them halfway i mean and it's great that they're winning don't get me wrong like 
don't, I don't want to sit here and be a Debbie Downer about it. Um, the reality of the situation is eventually the defense is going to stop forcing turnovers at this rate. And can the offense do enough to make up for it? Um, mm-hmm. The offense has to do more to capitalize off of the takeaways that they do get. They have to capitalize more, you know, on those different, on those situations where they don't get a great punt return or a kick return to start them off with good field position. They need more balance overall as a team. And I made this comment in our group chat the other day, yesterday, that all five of these losses, you can attribute more on the defense than the offense. All five of the wins, you can attribute more to the offense or to the defense than the yeah. offense. The Broncos mm-hmm. record is what it is, more so because of the the defense than what the offense has done. And I'm not trying mm-hmm. to crap on the offense. There is a way to be successful with the offense here. Um, they have those flashes. It's just a matter of finding more consistency. More consistency mm-hmm. on third down, better capitalization off of your takeaways that you're getting, those extra possessions, and just more consistency when you're not starting off with excellent field position. Mm-hmm. And all of that also comes to the Broncos are a one-down team. And what I mean by that is they are they are one of the most effective offenses in the NFL on first down but they mm-hmm. are one of the least effective offenses on second and third down. Yeah. You've got to be more like... got to be more efficient on all your downs mm-hmm. as well. Um yeah. They're averaging they're like not... five and a half yards of play on first down. Like it, it's crazy how effective they are on first down. But they even putting themselves in manageable situations on second and third down, they're they're negative they, I don't want to say they're negative because it's not true, but it's like they're they're they average like three yards per play on second down, and half the time it seems like those plays go backwards. Third down, especially because they put themselves in mismanageable third down situations. So you, if you're averaging, the last I looked at it, I, I need to update my numbers again because I had this I had this before. The the Broncos are averaging on like on average they're they're facing third and six point seven yards to go on third down. Like that that's relatively manageable but you want to be closer to third and five third and four than third and seven that's a pretty obvious statement there um michael rock quickly jumping in here saying great show tonight lance and eric on building the broncos thank you michael thank you all for joining us on a wonderful tuesday evening this isn't a friday this is a tuesday by the way uh this is going to throw off the rest of my week for i'm I'm not even sure exactly how i'm going to handle i'm such a creature of habit but anyways Thank you all for joining us here on a wonderful Tuesday evening. Eric, I got one last question here before we get out of here. Um, the big news of the NFL today, uh, Darius Shaquille Leonard, uh, Shaquille Leonard uh, was released by the Indianapolis Colts earlier today. Uh, former star linebacker had a back surgery uh, due to some nerve damage uh, from a couple of seasons ago and has kind of fallen off of a cliff over the last year or so. But he's available. The Broncos have always seemingly needed to have linebacker help. Are you interested in bringing in a 28-year-old veteran that might be on the downside of his career based on his injury history? Um, no. And it's not because he, he hasn't been terrible for them. Let me start off with that. There's a lot of talk about how he's been terrible for the Colts. He hasn't been. Has he been what he used to be? No. That's he's definitely taken a hit to his play overall. But he's still a solid player all around. Um, 
that can be a you know effective but there were some issues and tension growing because he still wanted to be a starter and they were cutting his play time and they were cutting his play time because they wanted to get the younger guys out there on the field the guys who are in the long-term plans of this team something that we talked about for a while with the broncos over mm-hmm. the, i mean multiple times especially over the last few years um if they're not in your long-term cards long-term plans didn't you start seeing what you have behind him and that's just kind of what the situation was here um Leonard's been fine, but he's a guy who he wants to play. He wants to get out there on the field. Um, a lot of issues were is that he wasn't making enough splash plays for the defense. Um, and then there's a matter of costs as well. I mean, I don't expect him to get picked up on waivers. And the Broncos sit with under $2 million in available salary cap per the NFLPA. Um, they are not in a good position um, to take on a 28-year linebacker who – Play has fallen off a little bit, especially when you have Josie Jewell and Alex Singleton, who are playing fine. Like, mm-hmm. you're not going to bring in another linebacker when you have Drew Sanders sitting there who needs to see the field more, as it is, and bring in another linebacker who has issues of wanting to see the field more. So mm-hmm. it just doesn't make sense, doesn't add up to me, add up for everything in my book. Um, had they moved on from Josie Jewell prior to the trade deadline, then and Drew Sanders wasn't playing well, then sure, maybe, look that way. Um, but by the end of this, I, I think Leonard will end up in Dallas or Buffalo. Yeah. And those are the two teams that are needing linebacker to help the most. Uh, they, they sniffed around both Alex Singleton and Josie Jewell, according to multiple different reports uh, at the trade deadline. I know Josie Jewell was really the one that uh, was the, the possible player to move just because he is that one year rental. I mean, you'll, you'll get him for the rest of the season and then can make a decision from him after the year, because this is the last year of his contract. Um, but I agree with you, Eric. I don't think that uh, first off, let's, let's forget about wanting to get on the football field. His plays decline. He's, he's not the same player that he was three years ago, where he was in the conversation of being in the defensive player of the year as a, as a rookie or a second year player, 28 years old, again, coming off of that back injury, coming off of the, the nerve damage. Um, and he, he can't find a way to make it onto a field of a struggling Indianapolis Colts defense. Um, so I I'm, I'm with you pass on Darius Leonard for me, but that's also a praise, like a shout appraisal to what this Broncos linebacker core has done over the course of the season. Uh, last comment here. We got Michael Ronquillo jumping in here. Happy Thanksgiving, Broncos country, Lance, Eric, and Scott. Go Broncos. And yes, happy Thanksgiving, everybody out there. Be thankful for what you have. Because right now, and, and for every everyone that, that's around you, um, I lost a couple of family members over the last couple of weeks. Uh, lost another friend the other day um, as well. Um, so just, just being thankful for the, the things you have around you, the people you have around you is, is, is something that's, that's why I, I do love Thanksgiving as my most favorite holiday. Um, unfortunately, uh, we won't see you guys on Thursday. We'll be here on Friday. So I hope each and every one of you guys have a great, great time with your family, uh, enjoy great food and be thankful. You know what, for something else, this Eric, this is something you and I have never been able to talk about. The Denver Broncos at week 10 are 500. When was the last time that that happened? It's been it's been a long, long time since the Broncos were 500 after 10 weeks. And we haven't, you know, had the opportunity to really truly cover a team that's in the um, in the mix, in the playoff hunt going into December. Yes, I have. I have. Well, you have. I'm, I'm talking about covered. us. You, 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 and, team, man. 
Well, I'm talking about you and I, us, uh, us here, Dove Valley Deep Diver, well, building the Broncos too, but still uh, at Mile High Huddle, my career at Mile High Huddle has been since 2018. We haven't had a winning season since then. I'm thankful for that. I'm, it, it can be ugly for all for all that it is. It can be terrible football to watch, and we can have so many frustrations. But you know what, damn it, it's fun to watch winning football. It's fun to win, and I'm I'm thankful for that, especially this holiday season. Eric, uh, I I know that you're you're a big Christmas guy, but thoughts on Thanksgiving, thoughts on on the rest of this week, and uh, hopefully you guys enjoy it. Yeah, I mean. I'm with you there. The losing has definitely taken its toll on me. Um, and it, it's, it's obvious. Like it, as doing this for as long as I have, like you start to take, kind of put that fan aside, fandom aside a little bit, but the, the losing has taken its toll. Like it gets tiresome watching bad play week in, week out. And that's what we've been dealing with, with the Broncos for years. It's great to see them winning. Is it perfect? No. And I'm not asking for perfect. Never am. Despite how I may may sound or come off. Um, but it's great to see them winning. It's great to see a four-game winning streak. It's great to have been there at the, at the stadium for three different wins. Like, all of it, um, it has been rejuvenating. Um, and then, so so I, I am thankful for that. And I'm thankful for my, fam- for my family and everything like that. It's not that I hate thanksgiving as a holiday i hate turkey um i'm not a big <laughs> stuffing fan like mashed potatoes and gravy are all right it's a typical thanksgiving meal i'm not a big fan of but uh there for a while my family we would do fondue this year we're doing prime rib a turkey and ham so we're going super all out with the meats um but i hope everybody has a wonderful holiday um has a wonderful time with their family make sure you tell your family and friends and whoever you're spending with um, that you love them, you appreciate them, and you are thankful for them um, because you are never sure when your last moments will be. Um, so make sure you enjoy the time. Make sure you enjoy the food. Make sure you laugh and have a good time. Tell tell bad jokes. Tell great jokes. Whichever. I'll be telling a bunch of bad jokes. Um, and stay safe. If you're frying a turkey, make sure it's dry. Don't start a house fire. Um, do it outside, but still don't start a fire. Um, just have a wonderful Thanksgiving and yeah, go Broncos, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I, a quick question here from Todd Ostendorf before we get out of here. Will Eric wear the bunny costume from a Christmas story for a podcast? Have never seen the movie. I have never seen a oh, Christmas dude, story. I need a new, I need a new co-host. I need a new co We cannot do that. Like, tell me you've seen Die Hard at least. Tell you, have you seen Die Hard? I've seen Die Hard. Okay. All right. So you redeem yourself just, just a little bit. You never just a little bit. Just just a little I, I, bit. I I I can't. I I cannot. All right, guys. Before I start a fight here, we're gonna have to get out of here. You all stay safe and take care. Have a great rest of your weekend. As always, go Broncos. Like, subscribe, share on the way out. That helps us so much. Hit the merch tent if you guys are willing to do so. If not, we'll see you guys same time, same place next week. Thanks, guys. You've been listening to Building the Broncos. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. 
Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. 